what were the challenges that you faced getting ready? Uh, now there was a lot, honestly. Um, having surgery Sunday, then trying to get my hand back to normal, and there was a lot done on it. And thankfully, Geronimo and the staff really got me right, and I was able to play with it tonight with a cast on, and it was able to get the job done for night for tonight. So I was proud of it. That's Tennessee quarterback Jared Garantano, uh, having played for Tennessee six days after having surgery for a broken bone in his hand, and the Geronimo he's referring to is a trainer on the Tennessee staff. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Soundoff. I'm Jimmy Himes along with Tim Irwin. Tim, we talked about it earlier. I thought that was a pretty gutsy performance by Garantano. Didn't necessarily play that well, but to play, given that situation, that showed a lot of toughness. He's got to lead the world in number of ice bags used, number of whirlpool treatments. I mean, he's taken some shots over his career, and some of them are his fault, some of them are not. Uh, that was a gutsy performance playing. I don't know how he caught the snap one-handed. I, I was real worried. I did bobble one, but I was real concerned that he would be able to function at all. And and uh, other than the one play, he used pretty good judgment. Do you remember the the fumble on the attempted handoff to Jordan? Yeah, that's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, and I think that had to be a direct result of that. I don't know think? if he ever got that snap good and clean. I couldn't see it, mm-hmm. but I think that was on the hand, yeah. All right, let's go back to the phones where Jay is our next caller. Jay, you're on Sunday, Sports Sound Off. Hey, guys, good morning. Morning, Jay. Um, if, if we – I know I'm putting the cart before the horse here, but if we were to win out, I think we have a realistic shot at all these games uh, left. If we were to win out, we go 7-5 and five and 5-3 and five and three in the conference. And I think that would – that 5-3 and three record in the conference – would be that's only been done once, and that would be our best record in the last decade in this conference, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think that's Butch true. did it one time. That's true. Yeah, and that's 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 sad. I mean, that's nothing to write home about. But um, it, 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 if that was the case, do you look at this season and say, "Heck of a job, Coach Pruitt." You know, way to you know way to finish strong, which would be true, but. Or do you think fans and and people are going to look back and say, you know, we probably should have won the first two. That would have made nine games. And then you win your bowl game. I mean, you could have had a 10-win season. I mean, you could have had a real shot at a 10-win season. And, I mean, how how do you think this is going to be remembered if we do win out? (laughs) Both. Is it it positively or are those two games just always going to haunt us? I think you got it right. I hit the nail right on the head. I think it's going to be both. I think you're going to remember the two games we shouldn't have lost. With a vastly superior uh, team, we got beat twice when we shouldn't have been beaten. Uh, bad quarterback mm-hmm. play in both of them. Some bad other play. A busted coverage on defense comes to mind against BYU. Stupid things. Mm. And then uh, you look at a team that's as low as it can ever go and how it built its way back. So I think you remember both things. Okay. We don't remember how we lost those first six games in 88. We remember coming back and winning the last five, so I think that memory, if they do win out, I think that memory would overcome. I don't think we'll ever get over getting beat by Georgia State. Mm. I'm, Jay, I meant to mention this earlier, too, uh, from a question, and it was about impacting recruiting. This will help recruiting if they're able to do that, if they get to bowl game. Earlier this year, there were a couple of players that said they wanted to see improvement from Tennessee. And when Tennessee started at 0-2, there were a couple of them mm-hmm. that jumped ship, and there was a player out west that committed to, I think it was Washington, 
there's a player in Las Vegas. He's a great athlete, tight end named Darnell Washington. And mm-hmm. it was said that he was eliminating Tennessee. Then when Tennessee started playing better, he actually was supposed to be on an official visit yesterday. I don't know if he made it or not, but he is a great player. So I think it yeah. puts you in play with more really good players nationwide. I think if you struggle, then what you have to do is make sure you get all of the remaining good players in the state, which is about five right now that they are <laughs> that they're uh, hoping to get. Yeah, that, that's I mean more than anything, Jim. You're right. This is recruiting, but um, you know. I don't really know what, you know, people, I know people are going to be expecting a lot more next year, Jimmy, but I mean, it seems to me just, just off the top of my head, it, we're probably going to have to rely on a, on a good number of freshmen next year. Some, a lot of yeah. sophomores. Yeah. I mean, we, we're going to lose a couple of big time receivers. Uh, we're still unsettled at quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, those losses will definitely hurt. Uh, otherwise, if Kennedy comes back, our offensive line ought to be better. Our defensive line ought to be better. We lose two great players off, well, two fantastic players off our defense in Taylor and Batuli. It got to be replaced. Mm-hmm. But we've played pretty well without Batuli being in there the whole time in a couple of games. I think the future's bright. Um, yeah, he missed those first two games, and I think that yeah. had an impact. Oh, it definitely did. But when he, I'm talking about when he got – when he returned, when he got suspended, uh, missed a half. Well, we didn't have the, both of them in there together. Yeah, the targeting. We had a targeting, yeah. and we played pretty well in those ball games. And I think some of our young guys, by necessity, have had to step up because of his absences. I think he's missed two and a half or three games, most parts of two and a half or three games this year. So I think, uh, I think the defensive backs will be solid. I think the linebacking core will be better. Uh, my gosh, I read in the paper, I think it was while I was gone to South Dakota, about the three uh, players out there at the one school that was featured. Memphis Whitehaven. Memphis Whitehaven. And, man, get all those guys. That'd be uh, that'd be major. Jay, Jay, here's the thing, too, and I, I checked with a couple of uh, agents that have connections as far as uh, knowing what the draft would look like. And while I would mm-hmm. I would argue that Tennessee doesn't have a lot of depth, I would also argue they have pretty good talent among their starters. There are six players on this Tennessee team that could very easily be drafted. Six. That's a that's a pretty good number. Uh, we've it, two linebackers, Petuli and Taylor, two receivers, mm-hmm. an offensive lineman if Trey Smith comes out, and a tight end, Dominic Wood Anderson. All six of those could be drafted. That's a ho- that's a heck of a lot different than three of the last five years. Tennessee having zero. They've had three of the last five years. They've had years where they had zero drafted. So there is some pretty good starting talent on this team. They just don't have a lot of depth. Oh, no, yeah, I agree. And it, it, it'll hurt to lose those guys. But you know what that helps with, Jimmy? That helps when you go in the living rooms and you say, hey, you know, look, we got That's right. these six kids drafted this year. So it it, it, it right. hurts, but it can help, too. Because when you're, when you're going over in the NFL draft, that, that doesn't help when you're trying to uh, – pitch your school to all america high school all americans so we'll see thanks guys joe we appreciate it thank you let's go to dave dave you're on sports sound off good morning gentlemen how are you morning morning i've got a quick question that leads into another question uh who do you think is the unfounded leader of this team 
Joan unfounded? I don't think he's unfounded, but it's, it's Jennings. Yeah, it's Joan Jennings. You, that word threw me off. Unfounded. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little. The leader of the team is Joan Jennings. No doubt. But that leads me into another question. Second place uh, would be uh, Trey I'm, Smith. Yeah, let's say okay, undeniable the, leader. How's that instead of uh, unfounded? There you go. Sorry okay. about that. Um, have you ever been around a team, seen a team anywhere else that a wide receiver is the leader of the team? And if that directly uh, correlates into the attitude of our run game and, and the way that should be. Maybe Michael Irvin with the Cowboys? Maybe. Um, okay. I, I think it's unusual. It is, but he does more than just play wide receiver. He comes in at the Wildcat, and he's um, – yeah, I don't know. He's just a tough kid. He'd be tough if he was playing linebacker. He'd be tough well, if he was I, playing safety I understand too. Understand so. um, You know, but uh, you know, when I played ball and and Tim back when you played ball, I mean, you know, the offensive linemen were the guys that brought the attitude and and, and were the leaders of the offense. I think Trey Smith is second place on the offense leadership. I think uh, I think you have to give Batuli some nods on the defense. Yes. Yeah. And uh I think uh Toe Toe's uh he's uh he's rising he's, he's rising as yeah. a leader and he's gonna be a leader by the time he's a sophomore. I really uh, like him. I, I like tennis. I I'm gonna say this for the first time in a long time at this stage of a season, I like the way the Tennessee volunteers tackle. And I haven't been able to say that in a long time. And I like it. And Jeremy Pruitt, my hat's off to you for that. I don't know how you're getting it done in the world we live in of no contact, but I like it. I like the way they tackle. And uh, uh, like I said, your leadership question's a good one. I don't know who will be the leaders going into next year. Well, you hit on one of them. Yeah. Henry Toa I think Toa Toa is uh, my favorite young player, bar none. Typically, your leaders, well. yeah, typically it's your quarterback, and I guess on defense, typically a linebacker, typically. There's some offensive uh, linemen. I like those two tackles. I think they're, they're, they, got some, uh, uh, they got some fire in the furnace. I like both Morris and Wright, both. I, I like them both, and I like that uh, 74 as well. Drum Carvin. Carvin, yeah. yeah, he plays a little nasty sometimes too. I, uh, I see some... I see some hope. I like our, I like t- I like our tight ends. I like our <clears throat> Knoxville tight ends. I mean, they play tough. I watch uh, Ray Hans' grandson a lot just because I know Ray, and uh, he gives great effort. Pope, I think, gives good effort. I don't know what that thing is he wears on his leg. It's. I was trying to look <laughs> at it the other day. I don't know if that's designer or if that's necessary, that black tape cross that he wears. Uh, but I like our Knoxville tight ends, and it was great. They all caught a ball yesterday because uh, they're going to have to step up with the big man going to the pros. Maybe so, that's to help him get dates. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I think there's some leadership. I think there's some leadership there, and uh, and I don't think our head. I think our head coach uh, has allowed that to surface. I think uh, he is a get what you see. I don't think there's a lot of deception about Jeremy Pruitt. I just think if he doesn't want to tell you something, he says, nope, not going to tell you that. Uh, he's not particularly eloquent 
but he's plain spoken, and I think everybody knows where he stands in that locker room, and I think guys are willing to play for a guy like that. I see our yes, guys sir. playing hard for this coach, and that excites me. Yeah, I think they are. Uh, uh, and I think there were uh, there were a number of defections that I think were probably necessary to where now you've got everybody that's um, – uh, that I think is bought in. I think you could argue that. Some of those guys were let me help you pack guys. Yeah. And and uh, that's okay. That happens. Yeah. Yeah, that happens. Sure. Uh, as far as some other SEC results from over the weekend, uh, from sa- Saturday, South Carolina finally pulled away from Vanderbilt to win 24-7. to Vandy led that game 7 nothing. Texas A&M beat Texas San Antonio 45-14. The big one yesterday, Georgia 24, Florida 17. Georgia... Um, had to settle for field goals quite a few times, and, and Florida was pesky and hung in there. Georgia outplayed them, and I thought deserved to win, but Florida just wouldn't necessarily go away completely. But uh, Georgia got the win there. Did you see much of that game? Bits of it. Florida is one of those teams I believe is a much better team at home. I have long believed without the crowd noise and without those guys getting that little cheat off the ball, they're speed rushers. Um, lose a little bit of their edge, and you can smash mouth them. Um, they don't have big time, big guy run stoppers. They're a speed defense, and I think playing at home and a lot of crowd noise really helps with speed defenses. Um, good football team. I'm not taking anything away from them, but I am uh, talking about a perfect day. Tennessee wins, Florida loses, and you get to sleep an hour late. I mean, it doesn't get much better than that. And so Georgia, with that win, has planted itself as the favorite to win the East. Mississippi State, 54, Arkansas, 24. 54 points by Mississippi State. Kalen Hill, who Tennessee held to 13 yards on 11 carries, had over 200 yards and three touchdowns against John Chavis' defense. Arkansas's bad. Can we call the SEC office and see if we can trade? Ooh. Get Arkansas instead of Missouri next week. <laughs> that would be what a year not to schedule them. Oh, they're terrible. And then Auburn had to hold on to beat Ole Miss twenty to fourteen. Auburn led twenty to yeah. seven in the second half. Ole Miss scored, and then Auburn had to hold on, run out the clock, or at least come close to running out the clock uh, to beat Ole Miss twenty to fourteen. Closer than I thought it would be. I think Auburn had a little bit of a letdown after laying it on the line in the lost LSU the week before. Let's uh let's go back to the phones where Q is our next caller. Q, you're on Sunday Sports Center. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you doing today? Fine. Good morning. Hey, uh, two comments. Uh, first off, I, I noticed, and it it was only about a, a two yard penalty uh, yesterday because last yesterday evening because of that we were uh, inside the five yard line, but we got another hands to the face penalty it was a and face mask it wasn't a hands to the face it's a face mask it was it was a face mask yeah. it seems like we're kind of averaging getting one of those a game and they're it's turned out to be pretty costly for us what are some ways um that we can do to remedy that moving forward i mean is it something that it's close kind of like holding that we're you're taught to do or or what's the kind of information on that move your target lower move your punch target down lower it's uh combination of the guy dipping about the time you punch sometimes it happens but also when it does happen get it out of there don't leave it up in there grinding if you have hold of the face mask turn it loose 
And, and and grabbing hold of is not the penalty. It's the yeah. it's the twist. Yeah, and it's, turn. That's what gets you the penalty. You don't see many. If you touch a face mask, you don't see that called very often away from the ball. If you right. grab it and twist, lose your temper a little bit, then that's going to be called. If you stick your hand up into f- your, their face and you keep grinding it up in there, they're going to call that every time. If you get it up in there, get it out. Uh, should be punching them lower than that anyway. And I watched my yep. son at practice one time, and the Duke offensive line coach uh, told him, he said, Connor, put your hands up there all you want to as soon as you can bench press 500 pounds. If you get your hands that high, you lose your leverage. Your hands need to be hitting them a little bit lower than that anyway. So just lower the yeah, aim. it seems like we're getting tacked with one of those just about every game. Lower your aim point a little bit. And we do have some big, tall guys up there, which is a good thing. But they need yeah. to play with uh, just maybe comment. a little more lean. I've, I've been um, obviously frustrated with the performance of JG and all the issues surrounding that. And I think it's easy for a, a fan to sit back and say, hey, play Shroud, play Shroud. Why, why is Shroud not in? And uh, there's no doubt that Shroud has a lot of potential and um, a lot of upside to him as a, a younger player. But it, it would be a different thing if if your job's on the line and you're putting the best guy in that you know knows all the reads, knows all the line protections and the and the run blocks. That's not to say that they don't need to move forward with Maurer or even get Shroud more. But I just I think they're in a, a, a kind of a, a difficult this decision to coaches are in a difficult decision to make every single game just because. Uh, JG has does know all of the playbook and and those type of things. And if Pruitt's, I know yesterday that yesterday evening that second half, you'd like to see Tennessee come out and just pour it on them in the second half and sling the ball all around. But if he's anything like Saban, that's not out of Saban's playbook. Once they get the lead, you're just going to run the ball, run that clock out, make sure nobody gets hurt. And once the once you've got the lead, they're they're just going to try to milk it away. And you know that's not totally different from uh, a lot of former games I watched either. But those are my comments, and I, I feel like we can uh, win out if we can manage that position properly. Thank you, Jim. Okay, thanks, Q. The saving playbook has changed in recent years, though. He throws it until he gets a 40 to nothing lead, and then he backs off. So. If you can – your first objective as a coach has got to be to win the game. Mm-hmm. Take whatever risk or chances you need to make that happen. Once you have the game secured – and you believe that game's secured, then you start thinking about taking care of next week a little bit. At least that's what I think if I'm coaching. And the way you do that is you get some of your key personnel off the field. I don't think Tennessee did that very early in the ball game. Uh, I don't know when the substitutions were made. Um, quarterback, uh, I think – Everybody I've heard talk about the team that's been around that team will tell you Jared Garantano is clearly the best practice quarterback they got. Heads and shoulders above the two young guys. He's not taking it from the practice field to the game. He played a tough, gutsy performance last night. He made one bad decision that totally erased a lot of the good things that he did. Just just like Wanye, he might have played a great game, but we all saw him get smoked by that defensive end from UAB. And now, well, Wanye struggled last night. We don't know. 
But Jared's bad play, I mean, he just threw a duck right over the middle of the field, up for grabs, took points off the board, and it could have, you know, could have cost us. Would have cost us in a close ball game. We can't have that kind of mentality in the red zone. One other quick note, uh, on the face mask against Pope, there was also a legal procedure. So at that point in the game, Tennessee had two penalties for zero yards because both of them were on their own one. They gave them so, a, they were half-yard penalties. Well, you, you, that's not a yard, so it's zero yards. And it's a half-yard, and then it's a quarter-yard, and it kept <laughs> us from making that first down on the long run we made on third down. Yeah, Those Chandler. two penalties kept us from making a first down, so they hurt. Even uh-huh. though they were short distance, and well, there were no di- well, basically, officially, two penalties, zero yards, because a half yard it has to be a full yard before it counts. It costs us I, three quarters of a yard, and three quarters of a yard gives us a first down after that run. I'm not arguing that. I'm yeah. just saying it's odd that you would have two penalties for officially zero yards. Yeah. I don't remember seeing that before. And Tennessee ended the night with only three penalties for five yards. I think there was another. Was there a legal procedure at another point in the game? where Tennessee had a penalty. That was it. So they played Coach, pretty clean from that. Coach Majors used to be really big on never giving up the ball inside your 20. Win the field position. And, you know, a lot of the maxims in General Neyland's teachings deal with that. But uh, I thought, here we have a chance to come off the one-yard line and not give them the ball in good field position. And because we had those two penalties, we don't make the first down after a good third down run. Stuck in my craw, as he used to say. He did say that. Yeah. That's Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. When we come back, we'll have more. We're brought to you by Window Works. This is Sunday Sports Sound Off. Yeah, you know, anytime you get in the red zone, you want to come away with points, uh, especially touchdowns. Uh, you want your percentage to always be high, if not 100%. Uh, but, you know, I put that on ourselves a lot of times with our execution. Uh, you know, the coaches are giving us the plays. We, they're giving us in the position to make the plays. We just got to go out there and do it. That's Tennessee left guard Trey Smith talking about Tennessee in the red zone. Tennessee is last in the SEC in red zone efficiency, touchdowns related to red zone penetrations. Yesterday they were three out of five scoring touchdowns when they got into the red zone. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off. We're brought to you by Window Works, family-owned, founded in East Tennessee with only American-made products. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. If you want to join us, 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. Let's go to Adam. Adam, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, uh, good morning, Jimmy, Tim. How are you guys doing? Good. good. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, I want to ask you a few things Uh what do you think of what's the biggest improvement you've seen in this team? I think Tim, you were right. I, I, they do tackle well. They've they've gotten better a lot since tackling. I think Jeremy Pruitt is a tactician on that. I didn't notice that until you pointed it out, but you are right. They do tackle well. Uh, I think and I guess it's, the last thing I want to ask more okay. toward, towards Jimmy. What's what was the reason? I mean, did you how was you confident that the plastic kid was going to be eligible? I was. I don't see why he wasn't. You know, you see all these other guys get eligible, but uh, you know that that's going to cost Tennessee a, a, quite a few games this year. I think just because of size advantage, but and I don't know why it took so long. Just want to get your opinion on that. Why it took the NCAA that, uh, so long to, to to get to get a decision? Well, let me. Uh, on that. All right, I'll address that first. You're talking about Euros Plavsic. He's a seven foot one transfer. Played at Hamilton Heights in Chattanooga. Signed with Arizona State. Red shirted. 
the coach that went out there with him was let go, and so Plavsic transfers to Tennessee. We had heard Friday about nine days ago that Tennessee was going to get word on what happened. I was told by multiple people Tennessee hadn't heard yet. That wasn't accurate. Tennessee had heard they had actually been denied the appeal uh, for immediate eligibility. They appealed that, and then they lost that. That information came out Saturday close to noontime. So here's the deal, uh, and this was, uh, I think it's from Jeff Goodman with uh, CBS Sports. There have been 54 men's basketball players that have been approved. There are now nine that have not been approved. Plavzic is one. There are 58 that they still have not made it, or 57 they have not made a decision on. So that was a high percentage. That's one reason I thought Plavzic would be eligible. I don't know if Tennessee, I'm sure Tennessee's told the reason. I hope to find out the reasoning behind why they determined that he wasn't eligible. But here's what I think could happen. I think that could cost Tennessee an NCAA tournament berth because I think he could be worth three or four wins, and I think Tennessee's going to be on the bubble for an NCAA tournament, and I think his lack of presence could cost Tennessee an NCAA tournament. We shall see. So that's what I know about that case. Tim, your thoughts on what's the biggest area of improvement for this Tennessee football team from game one to now? From game one to now, Mm -hmm. defensive line play. Exactly what I thought. Absolutely. Uh, we were decimated up front in our first two or three ball games. We couldn't stop anybody. Um, very feeble attacks by BYU and Georgia State were just running over the top of us. We had a bunch of uh, 17, 18 year olds out there playing. And now those guys are no longer freshmen. They've had nine games behind them, and they're. They're starting to play like men. That's the biggest difference. Um, we're not busting coverages in prevent. Uh, we're tackling better in the secondary. Our offensive line's getting better. I thought our offensive line was playing okay at the start of the year, though. Biggest improvement is the defensive line, no doubt about it. I anticipated the offensive line getting better because I, I thought the two true freshmen would get better. I saw some bodies up there that I thought would be decent players including a Brandon Kennedy who was uh, missed all of last year except for one game. I didn't see that much hope on the defensive line. I didn't I, see I didn't that. either. And I, they are getting better. Mm-hmm. And they are starting to play like SEC defensive linemen. I knew the offensive line was going to be all right because of the quality of young players we had and because of I felt like everything I'd heard about Will Friend, that he was the right guy, and I knew Jim Chaney – calls an offensive line friendly game and I knew he would not ask those guys to do things they couldn't do and I felt like we were going to have a better running game with him as our coordinator Um, and I think that's come to fruition yeah does somebody get beat once in a while sure they got eight or nine in the box can we run against them probably not but uh, I think overall they've played well enough and our defensive line's coming on I mean just just, uh, you know, our three guys, somebody's got to step up and get it done at quarterback these last three games of the year. If that happens, if we get a quarterback that plays well the last three games of the year, we're going bowling. That's Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Hines. When we come back, I'm going to ask Tim about something Daniel Batuli said during an interview earlier this week. If you want to join us, 656-9900, 1-866-656-9900. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I feel like really with anybody, 
Like, they would kind of be thankful for having this opportunity right here. And that's why I am. I'm extremely grateful. Um, and I couldn't thank uh, the University of Tennessee and Coach Pruitt enough. That's Tennessee cornerback Bryce Thompson. Uh, he had been suspended for several weeks earlier in the year. Returns, gets three interceptions in the game against UAB, tying a school record. Last time it was done was in 1999. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Soundoff. We're brought to you by Window Works. They offer vinyl and composite windows with many different color options. With Tim Irwin, I'm Jimmy Himes. Tim, I wanted to ask you about this. Daniel Batuli had 15 tackles against South Carolina last week. So I asked him how much of that was a product of improved defensive line play. He said a lot. He said a defensive line is to a linebacker what an offensive line is to a running back. Do you agree? Yeah, I think part of it is those guys getting lined up in the right place. Uh, there was a lot of flopping around and moving around and guys come up and slapping guys to move over a gap. At the start of the year, it just looked like chaos out there. And, uh, you know, Pruitt just kept at it and kept at it and kept teaching and seems like they know where they're supposed to be now. I think that's a good analogy. If those guys are doing their job, it's much difficult for an offensive lineman to come up to that next level. Offensive line, you got to take care of the down guy first. Mm-hmm. If it takes two of you to take care of the down guy, the linebacker's running free. I think that's what's happening on the Tennessee defense right now. I think that's a good analogy. You just don't see the the lack of a gap integrity with this line like you did early in the year with Georgia State and Brigham Young and some others. No, I mean, it it's, looks like a different team. It does. Let's go to Joe. Joe, you're on Sports Sound Off. Hey, uh, it's a pleasure to talk to you guys. Uh, I just had a question. Uh, about a minute and a half into the second quarter, I think it was after the third field goal we kicked, we kicked off to UAB, and the guy caught it in the end zone and downed it, but his feet – well, his toes, I guess, or his front part of his feet were on the goal line. Is that not? Is that still in the end zone? It doesn't make any difference with the fair catch rule. You can fair catch it at the five if you want to. Oh, he did. I didn't. I didn't know. He fair I thought catch. he fair caught it, Jimmy. Didn't he? I don't know if he did. Um, let's say he didn't, Joe. Here's what I think. I think it's a position of the ball. Ball break the plane, just like going in. Right. So I definitely, think- that's that's the rule. Definitely. Yeah. I don't so, know if the okay, ball broke the plane or not. I thought he called for a fair catch or waved it. I don't know if he called for a fair catch or just took a knee, but either way, the ball didn't come out, and if he called for a fair catch, he could do that at the 5 or the 10 or the 15 or the 20 and still get the ball on the 25 with the new rule. Yeah, he didn't He didn't go down to one knee, so maybe he did fair catch. So I just I missed know. that. I just, and, I just but even if he didn't, if the ball broke the plane, which I think it did, then you got to touch back, even if his feet were touching the goal line. Okay, I appreciate okay. it, guys. All right, thank you. Uh, by the way, to touch on this, and we have Gerald Hodges on Monday night, really appreciate him doing that. Tim, you and I were watching a game yesterday in which there was a guy that was Maryland against Michigan, a guy signaled for a fair catch on his own five. He fumbled it forward 10, 15 yards, yeah. recovered by Maryland. They moved it back to the five because he had muffed the attempt at the fair catch. You don't see that very often. I can't. I just can't remember if it was a kickoff or a punt. I think it was a kickoff. Yeah, it was a kickoff. That's right. But he he tried to fair catch the kickoff. I believe. I'm pretty yeah. sure it was a kickoff. And uh, that that was. Uh, you don't see that very often. No, an odd no, play. an odd play. Uh, it was a strange play. It caused me to pay attention in my 
remote control ramblings. <laughs> I bet you're hell on those remote controls, aren't you? I, yeah, I wear out some batteries now. I'm I'm gonna be uh, I'm gonna be on them at one o'clock when my Vikings take on the Chiefs. The Vikings will be on at Tim Irwin's house. Um, of course, I'm wanting to talk about remotes. Um, I don't need to go there. I get. Uh, yeah. I, I like to Jimmy, I've got a recliner. The name of the recliner that I bought is called the Beast. <laughs> and it is, your feet would not touch the ground in that recliner. I mean, it is set up for, I don't want to advertise for It's set up for the DirecTV NFL package. That recliner should be sold hand-in-hand hand to ex-offensive <laughs> linemen. Uh, it'll uh, be intense at 1 o'clock today. Uh, let's hear more from Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, certainly Brian Maurer did not play. There was a the thought that he might because he had been cleared. So Pruitt was asked, did he consider playing Maurer, and also would he explain his quarterback rotation? Well, we, we worked Brian to be ready to play. Um, but with three quarterbacks, you know, it, it was hard to get Brian as many reps as he probably needed to be ready. Uh, so we elected to go with the other guys uh, today. And he'll, he'll have an opportunity to get more reps as we move into it. We're still kind of seeing where he was at there. Um, you know, an improvement, I, you know, our guys work really hard at practice. Um, they work hard to prepare, um, to give themselves a chance to have success. You know, it, it, they're, they're, they're a fun group to be around. Um, we, we've got we've to execute at a little higher level on, in all three phases of our, of our team. Um, but you can see some of the guys uh, are gaining confidence with the fact that they've been around and been in the system a little longer. Some of the younger guys are gaining confidence. Some of the guys that have been here, uh, and it just comes with doing the same stuff over and over again. So uh, we've got to continue to improve uh, this week. Also from Jeremy Pruitt, what did he see out of Bryce Thompson last night? Well, he really just done what he's supposed to do. One time we're playing cut, he splits the zone, the quarterback stares down, they run four verticals, makes a poor throw, he breaks on the ball. Um, you know, one time... They run a deep comeback. We're playing two-man. The ball really shouldn't be thrown out there. It was. You know, he made them pay there. And then the last time, you know, uh, he was playing the money position. Uh, you know, Theo Jackson didn't play tonight. So Bryce moved inside and played money, um, which was where we were going to play him all year uh, until he was out for a few weeks there and didn't get as many reps. So, there's a lot of balls that go to the fourth receiver on the other team on third down. So you got the two guys outside, then you got guy that your stars on, and our money guy. Two and three, lots of balls go to them. So uh, he made a good play undercutting the guy. Also from Jeremy Pruitt, he talks about Brent Samaglia. Samaglia uh, was okay last year. This year he's been exceptional. He's 18 out of 20. He had a career-long 53-yard field goal against UAB last night. So Pruitt was asked, at what point did you realize you could rely on Samaglia? Well, um, he's a guy that's always working. Um, he has talent, it's obvious, when you're out there. Uh, the thing I like about him is, is I think he could play middle linebacker, too. You know, I like that about him. You know, he, if, he misses, if he misses one, you know, he jumps up there and he wants to hit another one. 
You know, he don't go try to hide somewhere. You know, he wants to get up there and do it again. So I think he's got a really good makeup about him. Um, he's a great competitor. You know, we do our off-season conditioning and stuff. He, he, he's an athlete. You know, I don't know what else he played besides kicker um, before he got here. He's probably a soccer player. Uh, but he might have been a, a, a defensive player. I don't know the way he acts. He gets out there and, and competes his tail off, and I'm um, glad we got him. That's his comment on Brent Samagler where he talked about he could play linebacker. Um, you don't see that out of a lot of kickers, do you, Tim? Not except for Fwad. Yeah. <laughs> Fwad could still take him, I'm sure. Fwad's the toughest kicker I was ever around. He was a real good high school linebacker. He, uh, Like I said, I've told the story many times that Johnny Randall used to like to come around the locker room horseplay and grab guys and wrestle and, and squirmish around. I mean, nothing serious, but... He grabbed up Fwad one day, and Fwad pinned him and was holding him down and talking about him and saying, if you want some more of this, Johnny, just come on back in the nicest, calmest voice you ever heard. And, I mean, we're all sitting there just aghast. And, you know, anytime Johnny Randall come to mess with anybody else, they'd say, hey, settle down or I'm going to get Fwad. And, and uh, that was the end of that. Uh, no, he's the toughest kicker I was ever around, and I'd like to see – he and Samaglia go at it. I wonder who'd win. I bet on Fwad. I wouldn't bet against him, yeah. I'm with you on that. Uh, a little bit more from Jeremy Pruitt. Uh, he talks about Derek Ansley. Derek Ansley coaches the secondary, also is a defensive coordinator. So he, uh, Pruitt was asked, how much do you think Ansley and is your experience with defensive backs has helped Bryce Thompson and the rest of the secondary improve? Well, I can tell you this. Uh, I love coaching defensive backs. I love coaching defensive backs. If I can't coach defensive backs, I'm not going to coach anymore. Um, but Derek Ansley is a guy that, for me, I don't have to be in the room. Okay, I know what's being said. I know how the room's prepared. I know how his meetings are run. He's going to say exactly what I would say anyhow. Um, he's one of the um, the best coaches that that I've ever been around. Uh, it's been great to watch him grow and develop over the years. At one time, he was, um, you know, my graduate assistant, and you know, so. Uh, and then the last couple of years, he's been the defensive back coach at places that I've been at, and you know, he does a phenomenal job. He's 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 improving as a play caller. Uh, does a really nice job with that. Uh, he commands attention. He's a he does a great job. Um, you know, coaching the guys up on the sideline. But he gets he gets the information from, you know, the guys upstairs, you know, who do a really nice job, Kevin and and uh, the other guys up there and Tracy Rocker and Chris Rump do a nice job too. So it's it's a really good group to work with. Um, you know, we don't have any secrets in our room. You know, we say what we think to each other, uh, which is the way I like to work. Um, and so it, it's fun being around them, and, and they do a really nice job, and I think the kids like being around them too. Those are comments from Tennessee coach Jeremy Pruitt. When we come back, it'll be our final segment. We are brought to you by Window Works. They get the A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau. You're listening to Sunday Sports Sound Off. Yeah, you know, everyone loves winning. Uh, wins are hard fought, you know, hard earned. Um, I wouldn't say it's easier. I think the mentality always stays the same. We're going to go to work. We're going to prepare each week on our opponent, focus on them, go to work and do what we have to do, you know, to be successful. But I wouldn't say it really changes our mentality. 
That's Trey Smith talking about how much more confident the team has now compared to the start of the season. Welcome back to Sunday Sports Sound Off with Tim Irwin. I'm Jimmy Himes. Let's go to the phones where our next caller is Jeff. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Jimmy. Hello, Tim. Hey, Jeff. Y'all doing all right today? Morning. Yes, sir. <clears throat> I have you a question, and Tim, you being a lineman, uh, during the UAB game, there was a point where it was an after the play, a dead ball foul, where Monroe, I believe his name was, come flying in and hit Trey Smith. Okay, when he hit him, the bottom of Trey Smith's helmet went flying back because they hit, it wasn't helmet to helmet, but his helmet hit. They called the guy for a personal foul. Is, is a lineman considered, can he be called for targeting? Yes. And shouldn't that have been considered? Yeah, he sure. I don't I think, think they take care of big guys as well as they take care of those little guys. But yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> I know, but no, that was a that was flagrant. I thought there was a stretch there where UAB really didn't show a lot of class. There was a stretch of the game where it got really chippy, and I think most of it was being caused by them. And our players did a good job not picking up penalty in that situation. Uh, I hope we don't ever get to the point where they won't fight back. I don't think. I think this group will always fight back, though. I've seen enough of. Uh, chippiness. I commented earlier in the year we got a penalty for it uh, when Trey and Wanye picked that guy up and stuck him about five yards out of bounds, and we got that fifteen-yard penalty. I don't know who it was against. You remember it? I thought I kind of liked that. It was against Wanye Morris. Was it on the sideline? Yeah, but Trey was in there with him on it. And they yeah, they, were, they it picked on the guy up. Morris. And, yeah. Yeah, but they called it on Wanye. But I like that chippiness and. And uh, I don't think you'll see this team back down. I think that was frustration, uh, UAB. And, you know, I'm glad they called it. And I hope we got some shots in on him for it later. I don't know if we did or not. I hadn't reviewed the film that closely. But I hope we did. And and that question came from my wife, of all people. Mm-hmm. She she got aggravated with the targeting penalty that early in a different game. And then she asked me, and she goes, well, why isn't that? I'm like, I didn't know if Lyman could be actually considered defenseless. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's more than just defenseless, but he was defenseless. That's why they call it a personal foul. But I don't yeah. think he led with the helmet. I don't think he hit him with the crown of the helmet. Mm-hmm. I don't think he met all the elements of targeting. Let's just call it what it was. is a cheap, classless shot is what it was. It, it was. And probably and, out of frustration because he'd probably been getting a butt kicking from Trey <laughs> earlier on. That's possible. And my last question, how do you think the play of Henry Tua Tua has been this year? I'll let you go and thank fellas for the answering my question. Thanks, Jeff. Well, I don't think you said his name right. <laughs> and I don't usually say it right, but I believe it's Toe Toe. That's it. And um, like I said, he's my favorite young player on the team. I am uh, totally sold. I love the way he flies around. I love his energy. I'm excited to see what he brings to the table in the next few years to come. I think it's been great. Uh, maybe the best freshman inside linebacker I've ever seen at Tennessee. And that's in some pretty tough company, some number one draft choices and some Hall of Fame type guys. He's uh, he's a stud. He's going to be really, really good. Uh, let's hear more from Jerry Garantano. He was asked uh, to describe his confidence level and if it had ever wavered. Now, I was always taught to have unwavering confidence, and I think throughout the season, obviously, there was peaks and valleys, and 
at this point, uh, I'm back to normal, and I'm feeling really good about how the guys are playing around me, and I'm feeling good about how I'm playing right now. Obviously, there's a lot of things to fix, and there's a lot of room to get better, but my confidence is there, and I think the team's confidence is there as well. Garantana was also asked about the ability to take tough coaching. No, it's, it's no big deal. Me and Coach Pruitt have a good relationship, and even today I made a stupid mistake in the red zone, and I was throwing off my back foot trying to avoid pressure, and it was stupid, and he got on me, and I rightfully so. So I expect him to coach me hard as I, as I really want him to, and it's not, it's not a love-hate thing. It's always love with him and me, so it's, I'm, I'm proud of it, and I'm really happy. That's Garantano. Let's hear now from Bryce Thompson, uh, three interceptions last night. He was asked how different does he feel now compared to when he first took the field at Florida. Um, I'm, I'm back in shape now. Um, those three games kind of hurt me, like like um, like fatigue-wise. I was kind of tired, but uh, I knew I had to get my stuff together and uh, get back in shape. And then Henry, Henry Tate said that he tipped one. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, he's been everywhere. He's Literally, he's a heart and soul of defense, and he keeps us going. So I definitely had to reward him after that. I didn't, I didn't want him to play to go to waste. He took credit for it. Oh, good. He could take all the credit, honestly. It wouldn't happen without him. Also from Thompson, how would he describe his time away from the team? Um, I feel like Coach Pruitt handled the best he could. Um, that time, those three games away, just not being around my team really for three weeks, it did hurt. Um, but it was definitely a learning lesson. And um, – I'm just glad to be back on the team with my uh, my family, honestly. And what's it like getting three picks in a game, and has he done that before? Uh, this is my first time actually getting more, more than one pick in a game. Um, I was an offensive player in high school, so it didn't happen in high school. Uh, but uh, it definitely made me reminisce high school, though, having the ball back in my hands. And that is Bryce Thompson. Tim Irwin, Tennessee, takes on Kentucky. 7.30 kick. What are the keys for the Vols against the Wildcats? Win the turnover battle again. Be able to stop the run on defense and make them throw the ball. I think if you make Kentucky throw, good things will happen. And good quarterback play. Lynn Bowden has been playing. He's a wide receiver playing quarterback. He's been running the Wildcat a lot. He's thrown a few passes. I don't know if he's still going to go. He ran for over 200 yards in the most recent game. Containing him is going to be important, isn't it? It is, and uh, that's what they do. you got to take it away from them. And uh, if you do that and you make them throw the football, I think good things will happen for Tennessee. A night kick. We'll see how Tennessee handles that. Tim, we appreciate it. Always good to see you. Thanks for joining us. Take care. And Tennessee with a big win over UAB. We'll see if that carries over. The ball's now 4-5 and five this year. Also, I'm going to be uh, joining the, the Sports Source with John Pennington at WATE. That's going to be at 11 a.m. It's a 90-minute show, so you can follow us there as well. Uh, also, we want to thank uh, Window Works, our sponsor today, for bringing uh, the show to you as well. We want to thank those that listened, thank those that called as well. This has been Sunday Sports Handoff.